Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones and the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt. And this week we did a Netflix movie, and I'm going to let Matt introduce it. Yeah, we are kicking off Animation May. Animation. I figured we'd pick a movie to kick off the month that everybody can have access to and see before you know we talk about it. It's harder to get out to the theaters to see stuff, I understand. So we want to try this, see if, uh, if, see if you guys like this. And I chose a movie that was on Netflix that was animated, but maybe not necessarily just for kids, and obviously something that you can't get on VHS. So I went with 2015's Extraordinary Tales, which features uh, stories from Edgar Allan Poe, read by actors such as Julian Sands, and directors such as Guillermo del Toro, who is all over the news still today after just winning an Oscar uh, last month. So that's why this one was sort of on my brain. I wanted to give a give it a, give it a shot and take a look at it. I had not seen it yet. I didn't knew nothing about it other than the fact that it was Edgar Allan Poe and these people were involved, and I knew it was animated. That was it, and uh, I'm glad we did it. Yeah, I did not know this existed. Uh, so when you said it, I was like, oh, this must be like a new thing that just came out, and he saw it, and he wanted to put it in the animation month. When I pulled it up, found out that it was made a couple of years ago, or 2013 maybe, uh, they kind of have it confusing online. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, IMDb has a list as 2013, but Netflix has a list as 2015. Yeah, so, well, whatever it is. It's an anthology film with all these different Edgar Allan Poe stories, which intrigued me at first. I was like, oh, I don't think I've seen... I mean, we all know Edgar Allan Poe's stories. We've seen Mask of the Red Death, most likely in high school mm. or in middle school or something, where you had to read right. read about it. The Raven, and I think Roger Corman, what was the other one he did that's popular? The Pit and the Pigeon? Yeah. Yeah, in the 60s. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people have seen this. Yeah, a lot of people know these, and basically it's an anthology with five different red stories from a celebrity or you know a name and each one each of the five featured different animation styles as well as a wraparound with a another different animation style and that's sort of the gimmick so you get these animated narrated stories but each one is sort of a different animation style and it's directed by raul garcia you're going to recognize him as an incredibly famous animator who did the genie from aladdin he did scenes in pocahontas and he was an additional animator on the lion king and hercules uh i think he tarzan he's been in a lot fantasia 2000 the man's a great animator and he directed this i don't know if he directed all of them but i assume he yeah he directed all all six segments the five in the wraparound yeah what'd you think about the wraparound uh, wasn't big on the wraparound story-wise, but the animation was pretty cool. It kind of hooked me with the look. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, this is kind of cool. It's kind of uh, uh, stylized, like like almost like a Flash animation style, like uh, something you would see online, but like hyper-stylized. And uh, so I was hooked with that. But the story itself of just like, it's basically you're following the Raven, who is representing Edgar Allan Poe, and him coming to terms with his own death because he has been obsessed with death through all of his writing, and now he's got to come to terms with his own. 
fine story for a wraparound, but it was just a little long-winded. Yeah, I found myself kind of getting up, getting water during it. I I love the look. So even when I did fully watch the wraparound, I just didn't listen to the dialogue. Yeah, it was it was easy to tune out the dialogue. Also, the voice they chose for Edgar Allan Poe and the voice they chose for Death, I wish they would have casted better. Like I I could hear like a like a Jeffrey Combs doing like the Edgar Allan Poe or something like that, or even like a John Cusack who played him in the Raven movie that came out a few years ago. Like somebody like that. But, like, the, they pick a very plain voice actor to do Poe, and it doesn't quite work. Yeah, they picked two voice professional voice actors who have done quite a bit of things. You can look them up on IMDb. It, save money, I yeah. guarantee you. Yeah, they probably spent their money on the four big names that read uh, the four stories. So, But I do wish... I, I definitely didn't like the death. The, the female that they chose to portray death, mm-hmm. they should have went with a different female. Someone with a little bit more bass in their yeah. voice. Yeah, it, was, it just wasn't selling it to me. Yeah, I wasn't hooked on this. Uh, the Neither voice did it for me. The long-windedness of it made me kind of mm-hmm. tune out what mm-hmm. they were saying. But, you know, I get what they were going for. So our first segment was narrated by Christopher Lee. And I did not know this when I first turned it on. I like to go into these, watch these movies, then look up stuff on them. So when this first popped on, I was like, whoa, it's Christopher Lee. <laughs> yes, yeah, I was hooked by the cast. I, I didn't like watch a trailer or anything, but I saw the cast list, and I was like, yep, I want to see this. Yeah, the first one is Follow the Haas of Usher, narrated by Christopher Lee. And this one's animation style is almost like wood meets pop-up book style. Yeah, I loved it. I, I love the look of this one. This I, I had a hard time listening to the dialogue because I was just watching the animation. <laughs> I don't know how to put this. It's eerie and vibrant, even though it's a noir look. It's very odd. Like, their eyes especially pop. And we're looking at a screenshot of it right now. Yeah, I really, I really, really like this animation. Uh, like I said, it's it almost looks like something like uh, Book of Life animation style with like the carved figures uh kind of look but also yeah very much like for kids as well it's a nice blend it's like a pop-up book meets wood carvings like very a nice dichotomy with this animation here and i'll be honest i like the animation the most in the first tale here i have a favorite but i'll tell you when we get to it and i think my favorite's gonna be very obvious i i really like this one and i also really like the way they told the story i thought the story was really cool handled i like the ending a lot like the creepy Mm -hmm. ending i thought this one was pretty solid oh yeah where the house like closes in on itself oh the the ghost like goes through the guy and it like makes him like turn into a ghost and then like the whole house crumbles after that loved that loved it this is edgar Allan poe's totality yes when i actually just said that right there i got a little scared (laughs) i got a a little educated there i don't like it it was it was spooky it was spooky for sure after our trash of video game month and then now we have to listen to edgar Allan poe are you trying to edumacate me (laughs) no no Never. But I'm going to educate you about saving the rainforest next week, though. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. All these animations are going to try to edumacate me. And then we're going to fuck it up with G.I. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on to our second segment, which, again, I didn't listen to any of this. So when I heard the voice, I was like, who is that? It's Bela Lugosi. Yeah, they, they found an old recording of Bela Lugosi, and they do a hyper-stylized black and white 
almost it almost looks like rotoscoped a little bit like a black and white rotoscope look for telltale heart this one to me was my least favorite type of animation but i appreciate what they were doing see i actually really like this one for some reason i don't know why this one jumped out at me but i also like the story a lot too like telltale heart's probably my favorite post story that i read read the narration by bella lugosi is wonderful it's quite good uh, yeah i liked the i like the black and white i like the rotoscoped type movements of the characters this reminded me of a frank miller look yeah so i i did like that i, I do like that but for some reason this one was except the old man with his like vulture eye i yeah. thought that was pretty cool looking. i, I like that a lot now see and when i say this is my least favorite that doesn't mean i didn't like it i actually love that they did this in anthology wherever we had so many different looks yeah i, I believe this is something that needs to come back I love anthology films, but there's so few good ones. It's because right now with the anthology films that are coming out, they all look like every story looks the same. This is what sets your anthology apart. You do five stories that look completely different and are completely different. Yeah. That's how you do it. Yeah. I I think this is really cool, and this made me kind of want to go look up this type of animation in different places Mm -hmm. and all these different types. This is kind of like, and you can watch this show too also in segments, and I kind of liked that I did. It took me three nights to watch this, and I liked it because I actually got to digest the look. Yeah, you got to digest each segment. Yeah, and you, yeah, you absolutely can do this. You could break this up in like five segments and watch just all five different times, and it, it, there's no like overlap where you need to pay attention or whatever to like you know from story to story because each one is so completely different and separate. So our third story we go into was narrated by Julian Sands, and I know you love Julian Sands. Yes, of Warlock fame, Boxing Helena, just everything. Awesome in the 90s, Julian Sands. And he did the story, The Facts in the Case of N. Voldemar. I knew nothing about this story. I had not read this story either, but this is my favorite one in the movie. It looks, this animation style, they are doing um, like an EC comic book, like a Tales from the Crypt uh, or Vault of Horror look with this one, like a 50s band comic book look with this. Yeah, this, again... I love this look. This this one was great. This this had the film noir comic book look. Yes, this one was super 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 fifties, and like pulpy and crazy because like the color scheme was all over the place. You know, when one shot, the frame would be normal, and then everyone would turn like neon like pink in the next shot. You know, it was very cool stylized. Um, and this one. If you're not familiar with the story, it's like about a guy trying to capture somebody in the moment of death. And it is really, really cool. This one's this one's my favorite. I like this story a lot. The ending, what happens, I don't want to spoil it, but the ending, that animation, the melting and stuff, mm-hmm. loved it. That was great. Yes. And the heavy shadows in this... And the pulp look, like you said, oh man, that will, oh, it, that, I just love that look. Yes, this one was quite, quite cool. Yeah, this one, probably my second favorite look. Nice. Yeah, yeah. this one's my favorite with liking the first two as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we move on to the fourth story, which has kind of the most unique look of them all. It is The Pit and the Pendulum, which is narrated by Guillermo del Toro, who probably gives my favorite reading of the four 
here because he gets into it. Yeah, my favorite reading was Christopher Lee's, but that also probably has something to do with that because that was my favorite animation. Yeah. I don't know, but it's, it's really good. That's not to take anything away from this. Uh, now, this one's look is more sleek and modern. They're trying to go for definitely more like realistic look, almost like a video game look. Reminded me of, like, Silent Hill a little bit, too. Yeah. You know what? Now that I rethink this, I actually think this is my least favorite um, animation look. Yeah, this one's my least favorite animation yeah. look, for sure. I actually kind of forgot about this, because I watched... This is the last thing I watched on Friday night before waking up on Saturday when we were recording this, and then I watched the last one. Mm. So this this look kind of just faded for me. Yeah, I agree. This is my least favorite look, but I do like the reading. I think Guillermo yeah. does a great job uh, conveying the dread in this one. That's really all I remember. It was his voice. Mm-hmm. And then I already knew this story. I've seen this story so many times. Right, Even though they right. did their own thing of it, I get it. It just This story to me is just so played out. Yeah. Yeah, this one, I'm glad they didn't do, like, the Raven as a story in here, but this is, like, the next, you know, the next yeah. one. Like, of course they did Pit and the Pendulum. Uh, and they didn't really do anything too crazy new with it, so I was like, eh, whatever for the story. But Guillermo does a great job reading it. He does. I completely agree with that. Then we get to our last and final one, my favorite story as an Edgar Allan Poe. I love The Mask of the Red Death. Yeah. It's a cool story. Uh, this one, they make the, the choice to not have any narration. Uh, yeah, that was, and it barely, even the voice that they do use is Roger Corman. Yeah, they Roger Corman has one line as the prince in this, uh, which is just very strange. But, like, I get it. He did, he did the most famous adaptation of this with his 60s production of Mask of the Red Death. So I get why he's yeah. in it. But, like, yeah, they use him for one line. The Red Death look is the thing on the cover it's the mm-hmm. thing on the dvd obviously it works because it's quite cool to look at oh the like painting uh kind of watercolor watercolor style. look yeah i love it this is tough this was a tough one because this last one which i was the last one i watched and i loved it i mean i was fully captured in it so that probably has to do with i love the story between the first and the fifth i, I mean those are ones i could rewatch over and over yeah, I would honestly rewatch probably all four of the stories that I said good things about. I will watch Telltale again. I will watch this again. I would watch Strange or the Facts of the Case of One again, <laughs> and I would watch uh, I would watch House of Usher again. I wouldn't watch Pit in the Pendulum again because you know I've seen it too many times that that's you know an adaptation of that story. But I would watch especially like on Halloween. I would absolutely watch any one of these again. Yeah, some of the movement in the last one, I can't quite place what it reminds me of, but it just looks so cool. (laughs) I know that's a lame explanation. You know, you come here like you want maybe me to break it down, but I can't. I I just like the odd movements of it with the watercolor look. Yeah, it works. What what they do with this works, and I think it was actually a smart choice to not have the narration on this one and just let the visuals speak for themselves. Yeah, because Death looks fantastic. Yes, Death looks amazing because it is... It's stripped, it's simplified, but it it hits all the creepy things you need it to. (laughs) And then that will come to the end of the, the actual series that we came i can't remember 
<laughs> at the end of the wraparound story. Oh, it's just like Edgar Allan Poe ex- accepts his death. He flies into the tombstone, and then people bring things to his gravesite or whatever. Oh, uh, that's right. Yeah, now I remember it. Yeah, okay. and that's that's it. Um, but the wraparound, wraparound is whatever. But I would say overall, wraparound aside, this is totally worth a watch. Really, really, really interesting stuff. They're doing something. They're u- utilizing the anthology format to the best of its ability. It's short. It's not longer than it needs to be. And I, I, it has a rewatchability factor where, like, around Halloween, I think I'd love to watch a couple more of these shorts again. Yeah, I, this feels like something we should watch, like, to kick off Halloween. Kick off, <laughs> kick off October. Yeah. It's something that's it's soft but gets you in that mood because it really has this fall mm-hmm. halloween feel maybe yeah. it's the warm colors i think throughout yeah. a lot of these yeah absolutely so watch it and i'm glad you suggested it because i never would have because i didn't even know it existed yeah i'm glad i'm glad i suggested it too because it forced me to watch it too it's probably been sitting in my queue since 2015 and i never watched it and then i was like you know what let's do this because it's it's a little more adult you know and i will say that too like kids can watch this but they're gonna probably honestly be bored this is for adults. This is like an animation for adults. It's not anything particularly scary or gory, but kids are probably going to get bored during this. I would say this is kind of something that you could watch in a high school literature class. Yes, yes. Older kids will probably mm-hmm. appreciate it. Little and kids won't. You have to have good attention span to stay with this. Yes. Yeah, I mean, sticking with it, it's going to be worth it. Let's move on to what we watched. Yeah. Hmm. Then we thought the air grew denser. Perfumed by some unseen censor, swung by seraphim whose footfalls tinkled on the tufted floor. Rich, I cried. Thy God hath led thee by these angels; He has sent thee respite and nepenthe from thy memories of Lenore. Quaff, oh quaff this kind nepenthe and forget this lost Lenore. Quoth the raven. Nevermore. Don't be that word outside of parting. I shrieked up, starting. Get thee back into the tempest and the nice Platonian shore. No, leave no black plume as a token of the lie. Thy soul has spoken. Leave my loneliness unbroken. Quit the bust above my door. Take thy beak from off my heart and take thy form from off my door. Quoth the raven. Nevermore. All right, so we just came off of the Windy City Horrorama weekend. I am recording this before it happened, so I can't report in and let you know how it was. But if you still have seen me since then, <laughs> if I'm still alive, if everything is going well, um, we we made it. We survived it. It's over. I'm going to need a new project to get started on here soon now. But uh, one of the movies that I made sure to sit in and watch over the weekend, and I, I know this prior to because i know i'm gonna do this uh was soft matter and this one we had a world premiere of it it's going to come out on may 22nd and it's going to come out on vod then and that's like it's sort of theatrical vod release uh and then it'll come out on blu-ray and dvd later or probably actually just dvd later but may 22nd you guys are going to want to check this movie out it is unbelievable it is basically like an adult swim like a really good adult swim segment meets like an 80s creature feature movie and it has breaks of a dance sequence it's got a musical number it's got breaks of animation so it kind of ties into what we're talking about now and it is just all completely insane 
but it's so funny and somehow all of it works. It almost feels like something like that MTV would have done. Like it reminds me of like a liquid television type thing. Something MTV would have done when they used to take chances with their like late night cable programming. That's what this movie feels like. So we've done the world premiere. People have seen it. Hopefully they're talking about it, but uh, it does come out May 22nd and I do recommend everybody Everybody goes and downloads this on VOD. It is quite a special little weird movie. Yeah, it was a great film festival that you guys put together. And it's something that I hope you guys continue. Uh, Maybe we'll talk about it more during our other breakdowns, uh, what it digests. Yeah. (laughs) I'm proud of you, man. Thank you. I'm very excited that we were able to do it. And I don't mean in a way like that you know, oh, we made it. You know, I just mean, like, I'm very excited that it things fell into place. Movies, you know, played. Things like, just very simple things, like, that could have gotten lost, that we could have gave up. We could have, you know, lost certain things. We could have uh, not been able to do certain things that we want to do. We, could, we were able to do what we set out to do. And, like, that excites me, that it all came together. A year's worth of work has come together in something that we could say, okay, we did that without it falling on our heads <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah it's, it's something that you you took so long and so much amount of time and then it actually gets to it and that fear of like oh it's all going to shit but it mm-hmm. didn't it didn't that's the key <laughs> all right now that we're we're done with the fun stuff so usually on analog jones here i mean we get a little topical but it's mostly just bashing trump uh, it's not like we're you know heroes no <laughs> everyone uh, does that everybody it everybody does it it's it's easy it's fun i enjoy it a whole lot i like being mean yeah let's let's get real real for a moment here so netflix did a documentary called take your pills i was hoping it was going to be something that would kind of put a light on people abusing adhd pills like ritalin and um adderall what a lot of you probably don't know is I was actually, I've been diagnosed with ADHD. I've had it my entire life. I didn't know. So I always got hit with that, oh, you're creative and smart, but you're lazy. Mm-hmm. And I had it, you know, high school, college, and it affected me. And I didn't know. I didn't actually know that other people were different in the way that they hold attention. Mm-hmm. I honestly had no idea. And after college, it started really creating anger in me and depression. And I knew I had to change. I had to figure it out. Yeah. And I can't remember someone said something like, you know, a lot of your symptoms kind of sound like you might have uh, attention problems. You should probably see a therapist about it. And I didn't for a while. I just had that nugget of knowledge in my head. Because... You know, I I just, I don't know. I came from a family that didn't do therapy, and I heard a lot of times that, you know, wusses do therapy and all that. Yeah. Finally, I had enough. I went, did some tests and everything like that, and they're like, hey, man, medically speaking, it sounds like you have ADHD, and we, you can, there's multiple ways that you can actually, you know, go through to help yourself with this. So if any of you have this, you know, you can do therapy, exercise, and, you know, if that doesn't work, combine it with medication. And that's what it did with me. And it was an instantaneous change. Uh, I had the ability to focus. Uh, I went back to school. It helped me figure out what I was going to do. It changed my life. 
And so when I saw this documentary coming up, I was like, oh, wow, they're going to shine a light on these assholes that make it harder on me and other people who are prescribed with this. Mm. Because the abuse of this pill is fucking annoying. Yeah. And I thought they were going to do this in this documentary. And really what this documentary mostly is, is fear-mongering of, like, America taking a cheat pill and all this crap of, like, having an athlete go, you know, I was able to focus and having these stupid college kids who go on these benders for 16 hours mm-hmm. or these people in jobs like the marketing job where you can just, you know, we're stock market and all this, all the shit. Like, we're, it's like a super smart pill mm-hmm. and it makes you better at everything and how that's ruining our current society. And you know what? Fuck you. That's that's so stupid. You had a platform to do something important and you didn't. Mm. They barely touch in on people who are actually prescribed with this and it's changing their life. And like even at the very end, they get into like this one doctor who's like, "Well, I think it's ruining people and their ability to wonder." What the fuck are you talking about? I'm a creative person, and the reason I can actually do my creative job is because I can focus to do it. Yeah. And there's a lot of people with this problem. Yeah. And you barely touched it. It's an awful documentary. I mean, watch it, but if you're one of these people with good intentions but also thinks people should stop, you know, taking medication, I agree with you if they don't need it. Yeah. But if they're prescribed it and you have a doctor and it's actually helping you, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And you're part of the problem. Right. You might have good intentions, but you're part of the problem. This right. anti-science movement. Anyway, the only good thing about it I saw was uh, how they explained people with ADHD have a hard time coping with it because some people do believe it's it's cheating. You know, you're just taking a pill and fixing a problem. And I used to have that feeling. Not anymore now. Mm. Uh, I'm doing it the right way. Uh, even though these jackasses who get the pill illegally and sell it, they're the problem. Yeah. It was really annoying, but it went into a certain part of it where people just feel bad about taking a pill that makes them better. Yeah. Which is the saddest part of all. It really yeah, is. That's the saddest part of all. Because like, it, like, it almost seems like now the people there's people that don't need these pills like you're saying that Mm -hmm. are yeah like they're selling it on the street or like yeah the college kids that are doing it you know get basically giving it a bad name that are just doing it so they could write papers and things like that and doctors that'll write the prescription because you know they make their money anyway but then there's some people that need it there's like the Mm -hmm. people that like need this to get by and like you can't you can't obviously a documentary has to take a side or whatever but you really can't neglect that side like that so are you just selling this to people who are like, pills are bad? <laughs> I used to hide this fact. Mm. I used to tell no one about this and just, you know, go to the doctor, get my, you know, get my pills, get my fix. But now I'm like, no, this is actually a part of my life. And this makes me whole. Like, I mean, people who don't have it will never understand how I think. And I'll never understand how people take this pill and it turns them into like a super focused freak because this pill that I take just actually levels me. Now, of course, exercise and diet can help. Yeah, and this, it sounds like, and I I haven't seen it, and I'm probably not going to watch it because stuff like that just makes me mad, but this sounds like this is made for people who don't take pills 
who want to criticize people that do but they don't know because they don't take anything so it's like why are you criticizing if you don't know if you're not like in that world like mm-hmm. it's people quick to jump on jump down the throat of something without even knowing that's what this sounds like and that, that yeah. would be extraordinarily frustrating for me to watch oh it is it was, it was very <laughs> frustrating i'm glad i watched it but it's definitely a thumbs down. They had a platform to do something really good, uh, attack people who abuse drugs, mm-hmm. and instead it just turned into, you know, pills are bad. Yeah, it's bullshit. Yeah. I mean, the advertising for it, like the, the I've seen the poster uh, as I've scrolled through Netflix, and you told me you watch it, and I was like, oh, is that a documentary where it's like about people getting prescribed pills they don't need, getting pumped full of pills they don't need? Because that's what I assumed that Netflix would put on. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just assumed that that would be what the documentary would be about. Everyone who's like, oh, it's like a, a performance enhancing drug. And I get it for those college students who are doing the benders and everything like that, but it shouldn't be. Right. It should be for people who need it. Need it. it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, I guess it's the same thing with like steroids with athletes. There's actually people who need steroids for help and healing, and yeah. then athletes just abuse it. And it somehow seems like the people that need it for help and healing can't get it, but yet the <laughs> yeah. athletes who don't need it get it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, There's probably something better that somebody smarter could make about that. <laughs> All right, let's get into the more positive stuff of what we're watching next. All right, Matt, since this is your animation month, what are we watching next? We are going to learn about saving the rainforest next week with the movie Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest from 1992. Wait, are you trying to to put some type of liberal gender in my mind? Uh, Yes, but I'm going to do it with a very good movie. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Yeah, I'm very excited to take this one apart. I have not seen it in 20 years. And it's going to be really fun to revisit, but also to look at through today's lens. And now that we've had Avatar come out and everybody has made the comparison since Avatar has come out, uh, that it's like for Ngoli to go back and watch sort of the source of inspiration or the first movie that has gotten that comparison. Yeah, 1992, I probably, last time I saw it was probably like 1995 or something like that. So Yeah, I want to say the last time I saw this was probably maybe the beginning of high school it's been a long long time yes it's definitely been a very long time since i've watched this uh so i think it's gonna be really interesting to take apart next week the environment is something you should protect movie yeah yeah this was yeah that's what that that's what that was for 90s kids so yeah we'll take it apart we'll watch the vhs we'll tell you about the box and the trailers and it's gonna be fun yeah i'm excited i'm really excited about this one So until next week, thanks for listening. You can rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, You can listen to us on Podbean and YouTube and two new ones. Stitcher and Google Play now. So many ways to listen to our beautiful voices. I can now listen to us because, yeah, I listen to us. I can now (laughs) listen to us on uh, Google Play now, which is dope because that's what I have on my phone. So, Bam. Ready for it. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye. See ya.